What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Bray, today with my co-host, Alex Felice and Attila in the background. And we've got Ali Garced on the call today, and we are going to walk through her journey in real estate as she's progressed through purchasing homes and even getting into some storage now. And so this has been a lot of fun. Ali and I have been talking back and forth on Instagram now for... I don't know, a year and a half, two years. Yeah. Um, it's been a little while. And we finally decided we jumped on a call a little while ago and decided to be a good fit for her to be on the podcast. And then I took like a month and a half hiatus from podcasting because I had nowhere to podcast, no internet, no studio. And half the time my stuff was in a moving van. And so here we are. So Ali, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. What's up, military millionaires? I wanted to briefly talk about a service I offer that a whole lot of people don't seem to know about, and I guess that's a failure on my part for not having discussed it enough. So look, finding a realtor that understands investing and or the VA loan or, or both is not always the easiest thing in the world. And finding a lender, same thing. So what I have started doing is I've built a, well, I have a large network, but I've started to compile it all together finally as a legitimate uh, Excel document driven, location driven list for you guys, essentially. So what it, what it is, is basically just my way of helping connect you with a realtor or a lender that I know personally and have vetted and talked to and understand that they're not going to screw you. And what I do is like, for example, I had a market where I had two or three agents that I all sent the same person as a connection and said, Hey man, you know, I, I trust, I, I know all of these. Let me know what you think. And they all said the same agent and same thing. So what I've done is if there's multiple agents in the same market, I choose the best one and that's who I'm going to hook you up with. But the whole point of this is just to help ensure that you get connected to the best agent. So if that is something that you would like, just go to the website, go to from military to millionaire.com slash VA dash realtor slash, or just reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook, whatever. I'll send you the link or you can find it on the resources page of the website. But look, all it is is a way to help connect you with an agent who's going to hook you up. No, I don't charge a fee for you. No, I don't charge a fee for the agent. It's just a way to hook you guys up. At the end of the day, as a buyer, you're not going to pay for a realtor anyway. So ta-da, it's magic. You might as well use one. As far as VA lender, I've got a really good one that I work with and know very well. There's several others that are pretty good. And I'll probably try to steer you away from some uh, companies that I just don't think are very reputable or have been very helpful. So, you know, if this is a service that sounds good to you for free 99, then uh, reach out. And if not, then uh, enjoy the show right now. Thank you. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah. Why don't you give a little bit of the background for how you got into real estate investing and kind of bring us up to present? Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually been, I was raised around real estate. My parents are in real estate. Born, I was born and raised in White Plains, New York. Um, it's about an hour north of the city. And so my dad was always in real estate. My mom um, was actually, she would clean homes and she was a crossing guard. So she would work for like the security or like the health benefits for us. And my dad would bring home the cash. Um, so always, always around that mentality. And my dad actually made me read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was like nine. So both like me and my sister read it when we were kids and we would play like cash flow for kids and, you know, like that type of stuff. And uh, so always with like the entrepreneurial like mindset. 
And fast forward, I went to college in a small private school. A lot of people haven't heard of it. It's called Elon University. No relation to Elon Musk. (laughs) Small private school in North Carolina, uh, right in the middle, like the triad. And it was very expensive. And I went, I started college in 2008. And that was obviously in 08. And my parents were in real estate. So um, my parents were very, very against taking out loans. Uh, they're very much so in the mentality of cash flow, everything, pay for everything. If you can't pay for it, you can't afford it. So I'm very grateful for them for being able to essentially put my, my sister and I both through college without any you know FAFSA help or anything like that. But I could tell that even though they would never tell me that, I could tell that they were struggling a little bit. So I did ROTC. Um, and being from New York, nobody joins the military, at least Southern New York, nobody joins the military. It, there's, there's just like not a lot of, um, just military people there. Um, so I joined ROTC and I told my parents afterward, after I signed the paperwork already saying, Hey, like I'm doing this to help you guys out to pay for college because college is expensive. And like Elon's like 40 grand a year or something like that. So I did that for them. And I have been in for nine years now. Um, purchased a couple of properties here and there throughout my time in the military. And I plan on separating in a little over a year. Um, so yeah, just let me know whenever you want to like cut me off and start asking questions. I can just keep going forever. <laughs> Alex. Yes. <laughs> your, your, uh, your said your family doesn't do debt, which, uh, it's interesting because, uh, five years ago when I started real estate and I'm like, if you don't take this 4% debt, you know, you're just, you're a knucklehead. Now that I'm a little bit wiser and I see people, in a little bit different light, I, I have a lot more respect for the no debt approach, even though, so, uh, my question to you is, do you use debt? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, let me clarify that he, they didn't want uh, always like credit card debt was absolute no go. Any other like bullshit debt was a no go college debt. They were very anti, they didn't want to set me and my sister up for debt as soon as we enter the real world. So, but mil- but uh, real estate is a different story. So yeah, they would they would use debt appropriately, and I very much so use debt as well. Um, so yeah, I have four loans out right now, and they're all below three and a half percent, which is amazing. So absolutely, why why not use that? Yeah, Agreed. I was just curious. Yeah, I was just curious if, for the clarity. So that that makes a lot that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, now, the more I get into real estate, the more I like. Uh, there's a couple guys who talk about like as you get your portfolio, you like eventually stop and just pay off like one or two or three properties. And and so you've got some, like, rather than paying them all down, you've got some that are still leveraged to the hilt, but then some that are just completely paid off that can cover all that as I guess a protection strategy. And yeah, I don't know. I haven't paid any of mine off yet, but uh, I do have some, well, I, actually I just refinanced out of it. I had a 15 year note with that intention. So I think there's that debt argument can go a lot of different ways in the real estate world, but definitely long-term fixed low interest rate is solid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one of the strategies that you just mentioned is coach Carson's strategy. I've read a ton of books. Like I read like 52 books last year, 45 the year before that. And this year I made it actually a goal to not read as many books and therefore take more action. Hmm. Uh, That's a whole nother tangent. Uh, And yep. Yep. That's all good. I guess we're doing it without Alex for a little while. All right. You and I. Yep. We're good. Bye, Alex. Um, yeah. So yeah, Coach Carson actually in one of his books talks about um like the the buy three, you know, hold two, sell one, and then use that sales from that to to pay off others. So there's so many different strategies in real estate. I love it. I love it. But 
yeah, the, I actually took one loan out, a uh, VA loan on a 15 year, just so I could um, try to cash flow that thinking, you know, it would be paid off by the time I would uh, retire from the, from the military, but I don't plan on going that route anymore, but I'm so glad that I did that. Yeah. I think it's a solid plan. I mean, you can't, I, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and like they were asking, um, you know, where, where should they keep cash if they don't want to be in the stock market? And like, there's all these different avenues. And, and I kind of brought up the point that obviously it's not liquid, right? But the point that people seem to hate on equity or paying your mortgage down super fast, but like given appreciation of real estate assets, like paying your mortgage down is a better yield interest, like savings account in theory than an actual savings account. Obviously it's illiquid. So I wouldn't do that with everything. But like if you've if you're one of those people who has money laying around and you don't know what to do with it or where to put it, but you also don't like the idea of just sitting it in a savings account and you don't like the idea of, you know, it, investing in stocks or whatever, like paying your mortgages down quickly is not a bad way to go because you're earning yeah. a return on that. That's yeah. So I don't know. There's a lot of ways to go with that for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So what was your walk us through your first property, your first purchase? What was your what was that? Yeah. So I had been in the military, I think, for four years, five years at that point. It was in 2016. Um, and I purchased, I use a VA loan. I was out in at Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado Springs, beautiful area. So I purchased a condo um, and high, OE, high HOA fee. And at that point, I don't consider that one like an investment. I don't consider that that's when I started investing, even though technically I did. I purchased a property, but I wasn't in that mil- in that like um you know, fire mindset or retire early mindset. Um, it was just, my parents were like, Hey, you should purchase property out there, purchase property, purchase property. I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. Just to get you guys off my back, I'll purchase something. So, so glad that I did. I didn't run the numbers. You know, I just like, you know, it was, it was going to be owner occupied. So would I live there? Yes, obviously I would. So yeah, let's, let's buy it. Um, I bought it for 158. It's a two bed, two bath condo. And I've had it for what, like five years now, and it's doubled in value. It's it's almost three hundred thousand right now, and I I lucked out on that one because because I didn't run the numbers. Uh, it was break even every year. Sometimes I would have a little bit of cash flow. I'm like woo, and then the next year I would have like a major hailstorm, and I'd have to pay for it. So it would just wipe out everything. Like every two years, I would just get wiped out, and you know I, I would. I would just think back and like, I'm not making any cash flow. And everyone talks about cash flow, cash flow, but I, that property is appreciation play for sure. So I actually plan on a 1031ing that property into self-storage. Would you buy another condo? I would not buy another condo. Good question. Solely because of the HOA. The HOA feels fees will never go down. They're only going to go up. Um, and that will eat away at your cash flow, especially if you're on the margin like I was. It, that that should eat it away. Uh, I have a condo that I bought, same exact story. Just, I was going to live in it. I had the idea that buying it was better than renting. And I just figured, ah, you know, if, if I'll move out one day and I'll rent it and it'll be a rent that I'll make money. And then um, my condo did not appreciate over the last 10 years. Oh. In, fact, in fact, it's basically, I'm, I'm going to sell it for the same amount that I bought it for a little, a little more over 10 years. And it has bo- it broke even every year. So it's been just a, it's been a pure education play. Um, yeah. I'll never buy another condo, but um, you know, I'm glad yours lucked out, but it's, it's an interesting, like, you know, people are so obsessed about making sure they get the perfect first deal that they don't do, ever do a deal. 
And I'm like, yeah. you know, people I know that even mine where it's like, I really didn't do that good. It's like, okay, I still got 10 years of um, experience, a little bit of appreciation, a bunch of tax benefits. I mean, it's uh, making mistakes in, in real estate. It's very forgiving. Cause it's like, Oh, worst case scenario, you, you bleed a little bit. Like you said, Oh, every two years I have to come out of pocket this big chunk, but it's like, meanwhile, it's doubling in value. It's like, it's a really hard to, you gotta, I, I messed mine up, but it's hard. So I'm glad to hear the stories are similar. So I'm glad you did better with yours than I did with mine, but. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you invest your, your condo in? I wouldn't call it an investment as much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's in Fayetteville. It's in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Real estate is like you said, very forgiving. Usually if you just hold on to it long enough, you will win, but maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, see, that's the, um, that kind of thinking, like those kind of comments, I know what you're saying, but those, those comments become gospel, right? The, um, the, the comment like, Hey, look, if you look at a long enough timeline, real estate goes up pretty, pretty reliably. And then that turns into people thinking, well, real estate only goes up. And that's when you get crushed in 2008, like you said, you know, what you alluded to earlier with like, it didn't go up this year. It went down well, this year. Yeah. We, yeah. we all know and, that the only thing that only goes up is crypto and Forex. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's the same people, right? It's the same people that, yeah. that got crushed in 08. And I'm like, no, no, this, this crypto thing is legit. Uh, <laughs> they're kids. They're kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was interesting about that, that condo was, uh, I actually never moved in. I got deployment orders right after I closed. And so I deployed and while I was deployed, I wasn't going to spend seven months of me paying for it and not having any income. So I rented it out. Uh, I looked it up in, you know, the, the VA loan rules and it was, you know, I obviously had intent to occupy. Uh, so met the rules, but yeah, that thought that was pretty interesting. The second, the second time I used my VA loan was, uh, my second purchase. It was here in Tucson. I'm stationed now at Davis Bonthan Air Force Base in Tucson, Arizona. So purchased a single family here, um, and moved in. Then I got married. So I moved out and now I Airbnb it. Yeah. How old were you in about your first one? I was 26. Good for you. How's the Airbnb yeah. doing? Pretty good. So I actually got that one on a 15-year uh, note, thinking by the time it was uh, by the time the note was up, I would have been retired from the military, so it'd be strictly cash flow. Um, now you know plans have changed. So I don't plan on retiring from the from the military. I plan on separating actually in a, a little bit over a year, and but I'm still glad that I did that. It's still cash flows. Even even uh, if I were to take it off of Airbnb, do long term, it would still cash flow which is nice. Not as much, you, but it, it still would. Are you self-managing your Airbnb? I am. Yeah. I, I was going to, uh, you know, outsource that because I have property managers for the other properties. Uh, but they, they were charging like 35, 40, 50%. I was like, you know what? I, I can do that. You know? So I, I hired somebody else to do the cleaning and I pay her well, I love her. And her husband is a handyman. So Whenever she sees something go out, like a light bulb that goes out or toilet doesn't work, she just you know calls her husband and I just pay both of them. And I, I love they both have been super, super helpful. So I figured I would just I hold just, on to that. I just did my first and I'm learning, you know, I, I hired a company to manage it's 20%, which is, seems reasonable. But um, yeah, I don't think, that, I, I mean, it's only been a month, but I don't think they're worth it. 
So I think I'm going to yeah. end up self-managing it. I also think there's a fundamental difference in Airbnb that um, people want you to talk to you. They, they really, they, they want the experience and the experience wants, has to be like really hospitable and nobody that you hire is going to care really like the owner. And yes. so I think um, Airbnb, I think is going to be a very difficult thing for people to do effectively at scale uh, across the board. There are people that are trying, but I think they're going to have a very difficult time. Scaled hospitality is hotels. Yeah. So I, I so as I was, I'm just I, every time I hear somebody has an Airbnb now I'm like digging in because I'm trying to find out what people are doing right and what people are doing wrong. I know a lot of people that are doing it really bad and still making money, and I know a couple of people that are doing it really well and they're making almost double what the market average is and like really really high numbers. So it's just I interesting mean, to learn the spectrum. Not that <laughs> not that I'm an actual example because I just rented bedrooms, but I was bringing in. Probably on probably average sixteen hundred a month with the Airbnb bedroom, and I could only rent the other bedroom, which was a nicer bedroom for about nine hundred, maybe a thousand towards the end there. And I, because it was in the house, right? I, I managed everything myself, but I also uh, it was a small space, so I cleaned it myself, and I got to I charged whatever the cleaning fee was, and just viewed it as my you know it took me an hour to clean, so I was like, yeah, seventy dollars an hour, I'll take it. You know, it wasn't so bad, um, even though I could have charged a lot more, but. Uh, now I'm about to gear up and launch a much larger Airbnb and I'm still going to manage it myself, but I'm definitely going to bring it cleaner. Cause I'm not touching like a 3000 square foot house every couple of days. Not my thing. Yeah. That's rough. Just the laundry alone will keep you there for hours. Oh, I was doing that. Then my wife was doing that. Cause I used to TDY a ton in my last assignment. Um, and so my wife would do it. I just, no, no, not for us. Just hire that shit out. Yeah. Hire it out. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So you've got the condo, the Airbnb. What's next? Yeah. So the third one I purchased uh, June of 2020. So like right in the height of the COVID scare. And I was going to go out there to uh, to view it before I purchased it, but I didn't. I couldn't because the military wouldn't let us. So I actually purchased that one turnkey through a company. Um, and because at that time, like I said before, I was in a different unit. Uh, and I was TDY all of the time, like different countries, different time zones. Um, so, and, and when I was here back stateside, I was working in a skiff. So I didn't have time to like, you know, cold call people and like try to get something below rehab and, and then do the rehab and find the contractors. I just did not have the time for that. So I purchased turnkey and it's actually worked out pretty well. Um, I don't know if you've like uh, allowed company names or whatever, but I, I actually do recommend them. Uh, it's the Chris Clothier. It's uh, with the REI nation. Yeah. So they, I asked around, I was on their like mailing list for quite some time. And I was like, nothing is beating the 1%. Like I just want 1%, you know, the, everyone says 1% and they don't have anything 1%, but the closest I could get was like 0.89. And I was like, you know what? I'll do it. So this was in Oklahoma city, uh, Midwest city. So there's Tinker air force bases there. Uh, yeah, so I was going to check it out, but like in person, but I couldn't. So even if I wanted to, I mean, I military wouldn't let us travel at that time. Yep. So I was like, you know what, if the appraisal comes back and like, and, and I'm able, I'm able to get a loan on it. I'm pretty sure the house is standing and actually will produce income. So yeah, let's do it. So that was my first property that I purchased sight unseen. Um, and it's worked out super well. I just saw it for the first time, like two months ago, I drove by, um, 
I did like a cross country road trip. And on the way back, instead of stopping like down through Dallas from Tennessee to Arizona, I, st- I went up. So went through OKC. And I was like, wait, let's go up there. I have a property up there. Let me see. Let me see what it looks like. And I was like, you know what? This is this is pretty cool. Like when you're just taking a detour on a big ass road trip, you're like, oh, yeah, that's my property. I own that. Yeah. That shit's cool. So I do recommend that. I got out of my comfort zone there and um, it actually it cash flows. So it's doing pretty well. Yeah, that's solid. I There's a lot of hate online about turnkey but i think i i mean don't get me wrong there are i hate turnkey <laughs> yeah go on go on with your story you're you're i was just trying to make a <laughs> oh, I, was, I was i was i was just gonna say that there are situations in which it makes sense right like i i will not necessarily always point to turnkey as like the the first thing you should do as an investment but man, is it like way easier than if you had tried to invest in Oklahoma city and had to build everything from the ground up and not ever having been there. Right. Like it's one thing to, you know, like what I did, I bought in Springfield and then I got stationed elsewhere and then I already had a team and I just kept investing in Springfield is a whole different ball game from like, I'm going to invest in that one town and the military is not letting me go there. So let me try to build a team and do it anyway, without ever go. Like that's, that's a lot harder than people want to give it credit for to do it. Right. Uh, it's way easier for professionals or property manager or whatever to, you know, fake the funk if you're not meeting them in person and actually getting that feel for how they are. So I think there's definitely a, a time and a place for turnkey and it's awesome that it worked out well for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, obviously you can get a lot more meat on the bone when you don't do turnkey, when you do the rehab yourself, I had never done a rehab. So I, I didn't want, I didn't feel comfortable doing the rehab from afar. One, I hate using this excuse, but being female, like I, I feel like people would take advantage uh, and I don't know enough about rehab to, to know if I was getting gypped or not, you know? So I was like, you know what? Let me just that's do gonna like, hurt, that's, that's going to hurt you a lot more than being female. Yeah. I'm not a female and I oh, got yeah. screwed. Yeah. If you don't know anything, you're gonna, <laughs> yeah, you going to get taken. Yeah. Yeah. Gen, gen, regardless of gender. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was yeah. like, you know what? Let me just, like, I did so many, oh man, so much research on the reviews of the companies and that one, I really could find like barely any negative reviews. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they took the majority of the meat on the bone, but they did all the hard work and yeah, I get some of the cash flow. Uh, but it, it came at, uh, it was convenient. So that's why I did that. I think in 2020, um, you know, real estate to me is very funny because I came up during the, uh, the foreclosure boom where there was properties all over the country that were depressed and in distressed um, condition and available for the banks to get them off their balance sheets quickly and cheaply. And that ended around 2017, 18. So not to say there aren't still deals, but they're not in abundance. So like now you have to be good at Legion or you have to have be tapped into a market. And so if you're not, if you don't have those things set up and even if you do, it's becoming more competitive because you know, there's more investors and fewer deals. Um, if you don't have those things set up, then go in and try to bootstrap a team. And then also it's not even like, well, I did it here. I just had to take my system and move it there. It's like, you're trying to do this essentially for the first time or, you know, pretty close. So um, I think that's the perfect scenario for turnkey, especially if you're going to continue to invest in that market where it's like, I got my foot in the door. Now I know the market. Now I know the people, maybe the next time I can go off and find a wholesaler and and get the deal done on my term. Uh, You know, you can, you can, how do I say it? you can snowball from there, but you, that's the perfect scenario for somebody to buy turnkey. Yeah. Yeah. At the time I had done mailers as well. And I had gotten like a Google voice number and like try to set everything up so I could just do it myself. 
Um, but again, like when I was stateside, I was working in a skiff. So like I would be in a skiff all day and I would leave and see like, yeah, like leave the skiff area, check my phone, see, I would miss like three phone calls of like potential uh, sellers. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't like, I have to go back and call them at a later time. And once you miss that initial call, forget it. It's over. Like you need to answer the first time. So yeah, that's literally why I hired a call center. Like I, I have a call center that I run all of my leads through now and I still do it because they make my life way easier. But that was why it was because I started sending mailers in bulk and I was working at a skiff. And after like three or four people, I called back and they had already, you know, sold the house. Cause it might be like two days later when you call back because I get off work in San Diego at six and it's already eight o'clock at night. And yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm literally throwing money out the window when I send these yes. mailers. So exactly. Yeah. I I also think this is a really good point about like, you know, what it is that you want to do in real estate. Not everybody wants to be a wholesaler. Every David's having a lot of success with his mailers and I could not be bothered with it. I'll never do it. I don't want to. I have no interest. I like being an investor, right? I know how to place capital. I know how to analyze deals. Um, and I know how to meet people. Like I have my skill set. And so um, I like that you were like, look, this that's a good way to get deals. But if I don't have the capabilities or the resources to like really do it, it's like, I still need to go get a deal. So yeah. get one with the resources and the, you know, I didn't, maybe, maybe in a different period, you, you'd do the wholesaling, but you know, do, do within your means what you have and get something done. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that was, that was the third deal. And then the fourth one was my first multifamily. It was a duplex. And even though it was here in Tucson, I was actually TDY again. So I was in a different country. Um, and I essentially purchased it like sight unseen. I had one quick walkthrough, but at that point I was like, I was in it already. Um, we were going to close like in the next couple of days. So purchased a duplex here in Tucson for 180, put 25% down. Um, and each side rents for around 800 and it needs rehab. So that I'll be doing my first rehab actually at the end of this month, one side moves out because both side, both tenants have been there for like 10 years. Um, so I'll, one side is moving out and I'll be doing the rehab there, learning it on my own. Um, I mean, I'll be hiring it out. I won't be doing, I won't be doing physically anything, <laughs> but uh, definitely learning from there and then, and then increasing the rents. The rents should increase to like 1100. Yeah. Each side. That's, that's, that's sweet. Yeah, it is. It's so and, easy. And yeah, it, it was it was hard finding that. I had been like underwriting deals so like in Tucson left and right and nothing was working. Um, that's at the point where I was like, you know what, let me just go like find a turnkey, do something else in, in the Midwest. So that's why I went with OKC. Um, but in Tucson, I was like, you know what? And it was on the market too. It was on the MLS. And like, I didn't have to do any hard work for that. I didn't have to like, you know, send any letters out, wait like outside the skiff for a phone call. So I just put an offer on it and it was accepted. He countered. I stick, I stuck at my original price and he was like, okay, which was crazy. Cause this was like, just like, this was in December of last year. Um, right. Where, you know, com- complete seller's market, like buyers don't have a chance of buying on your own terms really or price. Um, so I, I locked out on that one and, and worked out really well so far. The tenants are so good. Love the tenants. I actually got a property manager. And Alex, like you said, like, I actually, I, I could do it on my own, but at the same time, I'm trying to think like, 
in more of like a scalable way where I don't want to just because I can do it on my own. It probably could do a better job. I, I would be doing a better job. I just want to like outsource that shit. So you just have to manage a manager. I think hiring a property manager for regular tenants is very smart. All my long-term units are managed by a property manager. Very smart because the manager, it's, that's a, that's a, they're very different business models. The more that I'm learning about Airbnb and rentals, I thought that the overlap was like, well, it's still a house. But actually what I'm learning is, you know, a house is a commodity to a regular renter where it's like, you need a place to live. You need a roof. And I have a roof and there's limited supply. So I'm going to set the terms and you're going to say yes. And that's, you get the four walls and that's it. Airbnb, it's like, please come stay with me. I will show you the best possible experience that your money can afford, please. And then rate me highly, please. I will do a a total hospitality business. So from that perspective, uh, if you rate low on Airbnb, they'll just boot you. Right. You'll go on, you'll go on the 50th page. You'll never, you'll never, you'll be, you'll be crushed. So you have to have a tight control of the experience. And that's why I say, and I'm very new at it. So what the F do I know? Um, I say, uh, I think that self-managing is going to return a higher yield. Whereas regular rentals, once they're signed that lease and you provide like what they what you bucks a month, like you don't need have somebody else manage it easy yeah yeah absolutely i one of the first uh um like days that i met the tenants at the duplex here um they complained about getting their mail stolen because i so i hired out a property manager property manager was going to send them like the welcome kit or whatever essentially saying hey that you're now going to be paying rent via like an online portal instead of us collecting a check from you which is the way it had been done with the previous uh, owner and so it was just like explaining the new terms and the tenants never received it. So I never got rent. And again, I'm like, I'm in a different state at this point, maybe country, I forget. And uh, the first of the month comes around, second, third. And I, I was busy with some family stuff. So I hadn't had a chance to call the property manager saying, hey, you know, where's the, where's the rent? I thought these tenants were like pretty good tenants. And turns out, yeah, the, the mail got lost. So I'm like, that, that is like, that's not okay. So I went over, like the tenants actually ended up calling me saying, hey, we're trying to pay rent. We have no idea how to pay rent. Like, first of all, are you Allie? Are you our landlord? And I was like, this is amazing. Like, you guys are great. They're like, we we haven't got a hold of anybody. You you said you were going to get a property manager, but um, don't even know who that is. Like, can we just pay you rent directly? Like, please don't charge us late fee. I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely not your fault if you're getting your mail stolen. So the first thing that I did was like get an actual like sealable you know mailbox because their mailboxes would just be trash. Like people just would come over and just, you know, just steal all the mail bills included. So, so I saw, I like purchased, um, you know, one of like one of those lockable ones, like only they have access to, and they can try to knock that shit down all they want. That's not going anywhere. <laughs> um, and they were so grateful for that. I'm like, it's such a, such a simple, like easy solution. Give them their mail, you know, give them some pride of ownership. Like they're living, they've been living here for 10 years and they, aren't able to get packages sent to their place because they're thinking it's going to be stolen. I don't know. It's just like some people can just do such a lousy job and it's so easy to just, what a simple fix, you know, but I went on a tangent there. I forget uh, where I was going with, <laughs> but I love my tenants. They're so good. Dude, I'm such a cynic when you were like, Oh, none of, nobody paid. They all got their mail lost. And I'm like, they all oh, fired together to, 
to be like, oh, we don't, we don't know. We didn't get the mail. Sorry, the whole thing. Nobody got the mail. Sorry. Nope. And you're so, like, no, they called me asking to pay rent. And I'm like, yo, I'm sitting here like feeling a little guilty I, about how cynical I am about human beings. It, but to be <laughs> fair, though, close to 100 doors, I've had two different people call me twice. Twice this is the only time someone's called and said, hey, where do I send rent? Nobody else. They're always like, and case in point, one of these apartments we took over not too long ago, the guy was taking cash. And of course, they're all like, oh, yeah, no, we paid him for two months. Yeah, okay. Mm. Now, of course you did. I'm sure you did. But then it's like, what paper trail do I have? Because this man was collecting in cash. So, like, they all, you know, there were like three or four of them that who knows. But yeah. 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 That's, that's tough. So, yeah, I got on it to the property manager. I was like, dude, how could you have not have sent the welcome letter? You know, like I hired you guys out like over a month ago, but, and that's when they showed me the proof of mailing it. It's like, what the hell's going on? But yeah, such, I don't know, easy, easy fixes, you know? So there's so many, um, little things that, uh, when you, especially when you get a lot of doors, it gets easy to become complacent about small things that you don't think about, but the frequent tenants think about it, you know? Or they have to live it. When you when you don't have to live some of these properties, you don't know what it's like to, you know, you don't know there's some noise that happens every night or some inconvenience next door or these things that happen throughout the day. So um, those little things that to us, that they're because they're little, I guess maybe we don't think about them or we don't think they're that big a deal. But for them, uh, it can often be a big deal. So I love that. You know, it's just like, dude, buy a secure mailbox and fix this problem forever. Yeah, They've been sitting there, you know, living with it. Miserable for 10 years, 10 years, not being able to send, not being feeling comfortable enough to get an Amazon package to your doorstep. That's what kind of life is that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's no fun. All right. So I just, Oh, good. I was going to, I was going to move. So if you had another comment, I was going to tell a meaningless story. You probably have something better. You go ahead. I was just going to say where do, where and why do we shift to self storage? To scale. I, I had been purchasing, you know, my first three purchases, purchases were single families, you know, ones and twosies at a time. Now I have, you know, a whopping five doors, four loans and doing the math for the future, especially now that I'm, that I plan on separating. I mean, multifamily and just commercial in general is the way to go. So um, I wanted to go into like a specific, you know, sector of, of commercial and I've been following a lot of like AJ Osborne, Investor Girl Brit on self-storage stuff. And I, that's, that's what I want to do next. So yeah, I plan on 1031-ing my condo in Colorado Springs and then actually selling this house that we live in now, which is my wife's house, which is also doubled in value. So like another 200,000 there, um, putting that combined into a self-storage. Whether or not it be Tucson area, I prefer it to be Arizona, but it really doesn't matter as long as the numbers work, you know, then, then they'll work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really to get passive income before I leave my W2. I like it. One of my good friends out here does storage. Uh, in fact, he's adding on to one of his facilities now and he'll be the largest one in the area, uh, at least in his suburb. Um, and when I was first talking to him, I was like, why sell storage? This is probably three years ago, four years ago. And he was just like, well, if you had, you know, half your life belongings in a storage unit would you move all of your stuff out if I raised your rent $2 a month? I was like, no, that's a ton of work. He's like, you're right. And if you have a thousand doors, that's a huge addition to your cash flow, and nobody's going to move. And I was like, that's a really interesting way to look at it. Like it doesn't take much in the self storage world, like a dollar, $2, $3 raise in rent 
won't, you know, doesn't kick out tenants per se, but can have a huge upswing to your your cash flow. And then he's like, yeah, and I have a live-in manager. They basically live for free. I don't really pay them other than like a minimum wage. Like my costs are, you know, it, there's some there's some cool benefits to storage for sure. You Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Absolutely. But I mean, we're living in America. Americans are never going to get rid of their shit. You know, they're always going to have more and more shit. So storage is the way to go. Yeah. Especially, and I would say even more so in a city, right? Like here in Springfield, there's tons of storage. But there's also tons of people who own like a big freaking farm, you know, or, or whatever. So like, whereas like in the city, anyone who buys a boat or an RV or any kind of toy, ATV, you know, whatever jet ski, like you think of like San Diego, like not many people have room to store any of that. Yeah. I, I've been looking at a couple of deals out in like podunk areas, like Louisiana, Georgia, but I'm like, I, I don't know if storage, if, if buying a facility out there would work as much because people can just literally store their shit in the front yard. <laughs> you know, people have land out there. That, so come look, come look out here in Fayetteville. I would love to. Yeah. Come look. Cause I don't do any storage, but I know the market real well. And, um, military town. So, you know, yeah. we know, we know how, um, troops store, you know, they got too much stuff, then they deploy, they get two divorces, they yeah. freaking, you know, they PCS, they, they go, you know, whatever. They're always moving around. So it's like, look, I have all this stuff. It's on debt. I can't sell it. I got to keep it. I gotta just keep yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'd love to. I'll fly out there anytime. I yeah, like come around because I, I know a couple of people that have been well with storage out here, but I just, I don't know that. Um, I just never really looked, to be honest. Yeah. It always felt yeah. saturated to me, the market. And then like, and then in the last three years, I know like tons of people that are exploding on self storage. I'm like, I, I missed it. I didn't even, and you know, I'm saying that in 10 years is going to keep going up. And I'm like, I still missed it. How do I keep doing this? <laughs> I missed it again. <laughs> I missed it. What am I? Fun thing now is like the, like conversions. Like I had a buddy hit me up the other day asking about converting a Kmart into an indoor storage facility. And I'm like, dude, wrong person i don't know diddly about that but cool idea um There's, they got they got that stuff out here they got a they got a, a busted up kmart yeah come on come let's, let's dude, do some work i mean don't tempt me i'll book a flight right now <laughs> uh, you don't need to fly let's look online first goodness gracious <laughs> all right all right all right i could do that <laughs> all right. i mean i know you're excited like i gotta see this guy's mohawk in person but <laughs> I, don't, I mean don't blame you but um <laughs> yeah I, I i i need somebody to uh i think the area is obviously good i don't know what kind of deals are out here there's probably it's i would assume it's saturated but then you know you assume that and then it's like oh yeah everybody else thought that so nobody looked and there's there's some deals around right i mean yeah. and americans are only just going to get more and more shit it's the type of like mentality that we have yeah and storage is one of those it's like alcohol where it does good in up markets and then it does better in down markets because when down market stuff people are like okay i can't i gotta downsize my house i gotta move out da, da, da. but i can still swing a hundred bucks a month to keep all my junk and i'll buy yep. another house later or whatever or you know this is just temporary so i need a i need a i need a place to store all this stuff because i lost my job and yada 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 so um yeah i think people are frivolous with their um their materialism their junk and their debt and i think you're right i think yeah. There's no end. There's no end for the self storage. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. I got three questions that I ask every guest. First one is if you were, uh, if an E1, E2 was to ask you for advice, so young 18, 19 year old, 
about real estate investing or life in general, what would be the one thing that you feel like you would have to tell them? God, I've thought about this question. I have so many more things than just one thing, but overall, I would say go to OTS, become an officer. If you're going to stay in, become an O, <laughs> um, or you know, utilize the skills that you're that you're that you're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> utilize the skills that you're learning in the in the military, and uh, get out. There's so much more money to be made on the outside, especially if you're an E one, E two. I we appreciate you, but you can make more. Um, but also my, my second thing I'll, I'll add to, yeah. My second thing would be have a roommate. Do you have a roommate for as long as you can? When I was in college, I, I was an RA, you know, to help pay for, for school and stuff. And then after that, when I joined the military, I felt like I'd like deserved, you know, like a, a one bedroom condo for myself, or I deserve to not have roommates anymore. I wish that I didn't do that. I wish that instead of purchasing a condo. I'd purchase a multifamily, a four unit, absolutely a four unit um, and just house hack. So that's, that's what I do as, as soon as you can, you can afford a, a mortgage payment, do buy a fourplex and have roommates for as long as you can before you get married. Yeah. I'm just saying, I love you. I loved your first piece of advice. Actually, I think that's under shared advice. Um, if you're going to stay in, you got to become an officer. I think that's really good advice, actually. Um, and, and one that, and one that David, you know, he's too ashamed of, of himself to ever to give that advice. But that, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually private advice that I give one-on-one -on -one and not like broadcasted, but, but I mean, it, it's, if you're going to stay in the military, if you love the military, become an O. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually had a package for our MESET program uh, drafted up. I just never submitted it. Just, you don't get to brag about things you were going to do. Maybe. No, I, I was, I was going to say that I didn't submit it for personality reasons. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like I, you got peered out of being an officer before you even submitted the package. That's interesting. No, I, I didn't envy what I saw my officers <laughs> doing on a day to day. And I realized I would much rather run troops. In fact, I would say that the reason, or one of the main reasons I'm getting out now is because I got promoted enough that that stopped being the case anyway. And I was like, well, this is still boring. So um, but there are a ton of, uh, absolutely a ton of advantages to going officer or, or even warrant officer. Um, and yeah. yeah, but if you don't go to OCS, you'll get a roommate because they'll stick <laughs> you in the barracks with one, whether you like it or not. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I like that. That's good. That's good. All right. So one resource book course, website, whatever that you would recommend to anybody looking to get into real estate or, or just better their personal finance right now. Yeah, I would say like any book by Bigger Pockets Publishing. There's so much good meat in those books. Um, you know, like definitely rich dad, poor dad type stuff, but that's a lot more theoretical than it is tactical and actionable. So Bigger Pockets forums, yes, but anybody can write in them. So I would say Bigger Pockets Publishing. Um, and of course, your book. Good <laughs> shit. <laughs> I know. I just realized as I asked that question, I was like, Somebody might say this eventually. I need to put one. I've got it like back there and I've got it. You should. There. Subliminal I need to, messages. I need to keep you a should. copy next to me so I can pick it up. It's probably the smart <laughs> move. You know what you should do? You should get a big neon green sign behind you that says something about the book. That'd be a good idea. Oh, it's a good idea. It's almost like you said that yesterday and I already ordered it. 
You should see the spotlight I have going on on the books over here for the other angle. It looks sick. Anyway. I would love to see you use lights correctly. That'd be great. <sighs> hey, we can see him now. Well, don't take that we for granted. He looks good. He's got, a, he's got a side light working real good. I like it. I like it. He's- oh, my, my aperture 120D? Your hair light on the, no, on your, oh, on your my, like yeah, camera, yeah. camera left. Yeah. My newer. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. Got, I've even got the, I've even got the, the, you know, the back. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, uh, they're you're, set up. The lights you're are set up. Home. Right. The camera wasn't. Yeah. The lights were set up by a guy who's got way more experience than I do. So not that that's saying anything. Anyway, some nice mood lighting before when we could barely see you. <laughs> yeah. It's cause it's all set up for the other angle, which is much closer to frame and a little bit heavier lit, but, uh, where can people get a hold of you if they'd like to ask more questions or follow your journey for self storage or you know whatever the case may be? Yeah, yeah. I um, I'm most active on Instagram. I pretty much live on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Allie the Agent. Allie just spelled A L I. Yeah. So currently Air Force, you know, special agent, but also real estate agent. Oh, which I didn't even talk about. I just joined Shelby Osborne's team, Five Pillars. So, oh, yeah. I've heard of her. Yeah, dude. Look at Alex's face. <laughs> Yeah. Super excited. I'm, I'm heading over to Shelby's house right now, actually. Oh, damn. Well, tell her I say hello. Really? Who yeah. would have known? Charlotte. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I plan on doing full time. Shelby, Shelby, Shelby and I are very close friends. Yeah. I never would have guessed. Well, she like, she's, I'm her friend. She's not my friend. Mm. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. One, one way. Win, lose. I got you. Oh man, Allie, it was good getting to talk to you a second time, but getting to do a podcast and hear a little bit more about your story. I, I like the fact that you've done a little bit of everything, right? Like you've, you've done the condo, you've done the single family, you've done the uh, turnkey, you've done a duplex. Now you're moving on to bigger and better things, which is kind of the progression that we see with people. Um, I, I like that. And I think it's very, there's a word for it, like reachable or attainable for people. There's a word that I'm looking for there that means like, you are totally down to earth and relatable to people, but uh, our listeners are going to get a lot out of this just because it's all very realistic stuff that they can do. So we, we appreciate you having, having you on the show and uh, joining us for this first like super hodgepodge, Alex in a car, Dave not knowing how to work his camera uh, time back in the uh, podcast studio. It's good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys both for having me so much. I love the podcast that you guys do helping out military members become millionaires. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And if anyone has any questions, just hit me up on Instagram and I look forward to meeting you guys both at VPCon. I'll be there in person. Yeah. Allie, it was fantastic to meet you. Thank you so much. Nice meeting you too. Take care of that hair. True that girl. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes, now get out there and take action.